This is the Think LA podcast from Los Angeles, the center of advertising, marketing, and media. Thank you for joining us. Jonathan Stringfield, PhD, is VP Global Business Research and Marketing for Activision Blizzard. He's a research and marketing executive specializing in technology and gaming, having spent nearly 20 years at companies such as Facebook, Meta, Twitter, and Activision Blizzard. He's a regularly published contributor and speaker in technology on topics ranging from ad tech to marketing science and consumer psychology. Jonathan holds a PhD in sociology, where his work concentrated on how users of new technology think about topics such as personal identity and privacy, and he's a lifelong gaming fan. Jonathan is also a professor in the Pompeia College of Business at the University of New Haven. He's currently teaching marketing for esports via a custom-designed curriculum combining classical marketing, marketing science, and sports marketing. He's the author of Get in the Game, how to level up your business with gaming, esports, and emerging technologies. It's an essential guide for marketers and executives who want to integrate their brands with modern games and esports. It was recently published, and we'll provide a link in the show notes. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Jonathan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you for being here. Uh, Jonathan, to get started, let me know what role gaming plays in helping brands understand new and emerging technologies. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when we think about gaming more broadly, like it, it's easy to kind of dismiss it as a frivolity, right? Like it's something that we just kind of do is, you know, an idle pastime or what have you. And to a certain degree, that's true. But I think the broader context of what gaming does for us is that it's consistently been a very human way that we onboard and understand new technologies. And you'll find this is true since basically as long as video screens have existed, right? So whether you go back to early computers or televisions or what have you. So my merit of that, I think what we find is that gaming is important, not just as a media channel, but also in the way that it influences broadly how we consume technology and media, even adjacent to it, whether that's television or other forms of advertising or what have you. So I think that's important as it pertains to things today, but also important as we think about, you know, what is the shape of the future of media, whether that be through the lens of the metaverse or other such things, which much of which folks kind of see as something that comes from gaming or gaming related technologies. So how does that understanding connect with all this recently renewed interest in the metaverse? I mean, if we look at the conversation around metaverse in a serious way, I think what we'll find is that, you know, we find exemplars of what it means to exist in virtual worlds, right? Because ultimately, there's a few definitions that kick around the metaverse and some technicalities in terms of features and who, what, and where, and what have you. But broadly, what it tends to agree on is that it's more or less a more pervasive mechanism for individuals to you know, essentially traverse what we know as the internet today, but as represented through virtual worlds, typically described as 3D ones, typically described as immersive and so on and so forth. So if we think about all of that backing, right, then 
where we see that there is the greatest incidence of virtual worlds or otherwise is from the world of gaming. And again, to the point before, what we find is that, you know, whether you call them kind of like proto metaverse experiences or what have you, the exemplars do tend to come from the world of gaming, whether it's Roblox or Fortnite or others is, is kind of the ones that are, that are often cited. So what that means is that, you know, you have kind of this dualistic, you know, um, you know, bit of motivation amongst the marketing community that one gaming as a platform generally is becoming very top of mind in terms of the extent to which marketers, advertisers, or what have you are starting to see it as an opportunity. And it indeed is, and something that obviously is the impetus of, of my book and a lot of the work that I that I do professionally. But then also there's this kind of potential future that's coming where we see gaming as really being influential to nothing short of, again, the future of the internet, which which always kind of seems weird to folks. But, you know, again, we've learned a lot about ourselves and others through that lens of gaming and gaming behaviors, like it shouldn't surprise people. And also, I think by merit of that knowledge gap that exists between, you know, say marketers and to a certain degree technologists in the gaming world, I don't think there's that broader level of understanding in terms of just how pervasive this has been. Again, that too, another impetus in terms of a little bit of the gap that I'm trying to correct for in terms of really making sure that it's clear that one, opportunities in gaming are understood more broadly, but then two, how they relate to potential future technologies. So it sounds like gaming really is an entry point for all these emerging technologies for, for the general public. I mean, gamers are already there, but for a lot of people that might not be as experienced, it seems like that's an easy way for the, them to understand and get involved. And that's precisely it. So, you know, I think it's the case that, you know, if you are a marketer or technologist and you're very interested in the potentiality of the metaverse, there are opportunities that exist that are more or less metaverse-like, right? Or, you know, in, in, in different ways in which folks are trying to build those or, you know, kind of like wax poetic in terms of, of how they're going to shape up or what have you. But realistically, I think we are still at the stage where the technology required for something resembling, again, what we generally think of to be the metaverse is many years away, like conservatively, most, thinker, most thinkers put it like five, 10 years. So the most remarkable thing to a certain degree about this whole metaverse concept is just how early we're starting to kind of dwell on it, honestly, to be, to be frank. And this affords us some gifts, right? One of which is to start to understand what are the behaviors and the knowledge that we want to acquire prior to this potential technology becoming more commonplace. And if we look at it through that lens, then it quickly becomes apparent that how individuals navigate, think about, socialize within 3D worlds, how they do basically facets of their lives intermediated through virtual worlds, much of that is happening in the world of gaming. So if you understand gaming and you understand, again, potentially from an advertising or marketing standpoint, one, how to find ingress into this ecosystem, but then two, how to do so well in a way that is additive, non-disruptive, in theory can help build the fiction of the story or what have you of these worlds. That's really going to be the seminal trick that I think marketers and advertisers are going to need to get really confident about and really good at for the foreseeable future, both for opportunities now, but again, in these potential future virtual worlds. So until the metaverse actually arrives, better to have people used to things and experiences that are metaversal. Exactly. And, and you know, and that's kind of the point that I make, you know, broadly throughout, you know, the, my book is that, 
you know, look, much of what your this book is, is attempting to do is to kind of give that baseline foundational knowledge in terms of what is the gaming ecosystem, what are the opportunities, what are the means of ingress, right? And then the relevant historical detail to kind of figure out, like, you know, understand where some of these opportunities come from. And in doing so, again, this pays dividends now, right? Like if you are a business decision maker, a marketer, or what have you, it should, in theory, give you a good leg up in terms of how to capitalize and think in a smart way about opportunities in gaming today. But then in doing so, builds your skills, your know-how, and what have you around this construct more generally about virtual worlds, which will pay dividends in the future. So I really try to position it as like, look, it's an investment now that provides immediate benefit, but also an investment for the future. So it's it's really, to a certain degree, a bit of a win-win to make that leap and start to understand the broader gaming world. Interesting. You know, it, it reminds me of a meme sort of at the beginning of the web, which was there were t-shirts around that said, you know, don't laugh, computers are cool now. Um, why do you think there's this drive, this sudden interest and thirst for interest in gaming? So I think a few factors, right? So on the one hand, there is definitely a non-negligible generational effect that's been happening that the folks that are the business decision makers, excuse me, not the business decision makers, but well, I mean, also probably business decision makers, but the household decision makers are folks that grew up gaming, right? So I've often said like, today's lawyers and stockbrokers and doctors and whatnot, these are folks that conceivably grew up playing Mario, right? So at a minimum, even if they haven't necessarily kept up with gaming throughout their entire lives or kind of weaved in and out of it or what have you, they're at least have this, you know, mere presence effect in their lives that gaming isn't just like this kind of weird thing that's predominantly kind of the domain of like folks like, you know, geeks and people that play Dungeons and Dragons and whatnot. It's just entertainment, right? So mm -hmm. basically long and short, as it's become more entwined into our everyday lives, it just becomes more normalized. And then what we find then is it's a pervasive entertainment medium. So one that has not just been something that's kind of been sticky throughout the these years and these generations, but something that has grown dramatically to the point of it's one of the biggest entertainment ecosystems in the world. So now all of a sudden we're, we're in this interesting position where you have the critical mass of individuals that are playing games and social acceptability of it rather high. You have the advent and the, you know, I'd say increasing both technology and design that have been made games more accessible, again, both from a technology standpoint, usually epitomized by mobile phones, but also the design of the games that they're being made, not just for people who play games, but for everyone, that has really increased the size of the overall tent around gaming. And then all of this enabled by better internet infrastructure that makes the potentiality for marketing experiences within these games to be more interactive and basically more in line with how media buyers want to buy media. So long and short, we're still, I, I would say, kind of at a point where things aren't super seamless, right? Like we're definitely not in a position where, sure. again, I often joke, there is no marketplace for gaming. You can't just go and find all some 3 billion people who play games in the world at, at a single outlet. You're looking for pockets of them. So understanding where, when, and how it is important. But we're at a point where I think these opportunities are becoming more material, larger scaled. And I think appropriately aligned with how media buyers want to buy media. So realistically, the opportunity is at a place where it's kind of taking off, right? Because again, there have been efforts to have advertising and marketing in games basically since they were invented. 
But for a lot of factors, it just either didn't fit or the tech wasn't there or the game experience wasn't there. And now we're kind of finally at that point. So I think like we're really starting to hit that sweet spot where this is getting real interesting for marketers, but our overall level of understanding in terms of how to get there is still lagging behind a little. So in connection with that, it feels like there are still a lot of marketers that are slow to activate in that space. And I'm wondering what you think those barriers are. Is it fear of the unknown? Is it a lack of understanding around the potential audience? Why do you think they're, they're I won't say dragging their feet, but they're not seeing it as a, a potential avenue of success? I mean, I think, you know, pick any one of the above. And I, and I think you'll find some marketer organization or whatnot that falls in that bucket. And, and, and that's not me being dismissive of those potential blockers or fears or what have you. It's just kind of a bit of a reality that, you know, depending on what organization you speak to, you'll find some that, you know, again, you'll get the answer. I, I, I don't need a gaming strategy. I don't need to reach young men. And it's like, okay, well, that's a gap in terms of, you know, background of, what the gaming audience is, because yeah. indeed, depending on how you look at it, it is definitely at a minimum not the case that it's solely young men. In fact, that's a bit of a trope that gets thrown around in game advertising these days, right? And then you'll find others that it's a bit of, well, I, I have brand safety concerns. And it's like, well, okay, and those are valid, but let's start to understand what some of the you know potential concerns are and, and more ways to navigate around it, because it, it would be premature to kind of just whole cloth eject an entire giant entertainment ecosystem based upon the themes of just certain sets of games, not the entirety of all games in general. And again, understanding the contours of that is, is obviously important. And then there are still others that are said, well, I don't know where to get started. And, and again, this is definitely one where, you know, before if we were talking about kind of like baseline, just insights issues or things that, you know, again, various organizations can start to help with and brands and what have you. That last one in terms of like, I don't know where to get started, like that's a stickier one, right? Like there is no marketplace. It is a little bit difficult to be able to kind of navigate around this. And that's where some of this a priority knowledge in terms of how the ecosystem is structured, what the opportunities look like now, and who are the entities to tap into these opportunities, all of that's going to become super important to kind of get over that hump. So I think it'll still be quite a bit of, I guess you could call it trial and error in terms of finding the right fit for advertisers. And some are going to gravitate towards certain parts of the ecosystem, other towards others. But I think the important thing is being able to look at it objectively as an important opportunity. And again, whether it is immediate returns or something a little bit more long-term, understanding that this is an, an important set of knowledge and generalized entertainment domain that folks just need to get involved with sooner rather than later. Interesting. I know that having been involved in a lot of pitches to clients, there are often those ideas that take a, a few steps forward in terms of technology and implementing things that you know as a marketer, well, I want to say marketer now, I'm talking about people at agencies, mm -hmm. that you know are going to work, but the client may be reluctant to spend the money on that particular budget item. And I, th I mean, I think there's some of that, right? Because I, I think there's a world where you can look at, you know, starting from perhaps the least credible to the more credible POVs, like least credible being, oh, gaming's just a flash in the pan and let's just do something kind of buzzy and whatnot and be done with it, which again, I'm obviously convinced, but you don't really need to look far to find stats that kind of like dissuade, like, no, this is going to stick around. In fact, if anything, the pervasiveness of gaming as a form of media is only going to increase throughout the years, right? So you have that and then it goes all the way to, you know, that potential like double-edged blade of then, okay, wanting to get really involved, but then kind of thinking about it in a very narrow band, right? That like we, we 
at the extreme, like want to make a game versus, you know, starting our own esports tourney or whatnot. And again, these are options. But on the other hand, just getting started, like, you know, tomorrow can be as simple as just running your ad in a game, right? In the right game and in the right way and through the right format that respects the user and so on and so forth. Like all that's important, but it can be fairly turnkey. And I think that's probably where you want to start, right? Is just see that and start to see those results. And again, the spoiler I'll give is that you will find that on the right platforms with the right games, the right format, it will outperform very likely most places that you're running, whether it's video or what have you, by a significant margin. It's like, okay, cool, step one. Then what's step two, right? Is it in fact having a brand sponsored esports tournament? Do you want to make an advert game? Do you want to do a more custom, you know, bespoke integration or corporate alliance with the brand like all of these are within the possibility space but i think the important thing is not getting too pigeonholed into kind of any given opportunity based upon you know what you think the opportunity space is because again there's a lot there i kind of refer to it as an ecosystem throughout this conversation i do so in the book very deliberately because there's a lot of potential means for ingress so i think even starting and understanding from that angle is important to not kind of just go down one particular path, but realistically look at the paths in front of you for a more informed overall strategy. Well, and I think we saw that when mobile really mobile adoption really started to take hold, which was a lot of brands said, hey, let's build an app. That's not where you need to start. Not necessarily. And, and I think it, it's definitely the case when we look at, you know, obviously many of the most turnkey opportunities in gaming are on the mobile side, right? Like typically within casual games and mobile. And there's a lot of reasons for that that pertains to just how the experience is created and how it trans like the, the publishers transact with their customers or what have you. But then in that same vein, it's that understanding that like, to your point, no, you probably don't want to make a game yourself from the get go, but there are playable ads you can make, right? And like, that's a good step in that kind of direction that you can still integrate within a game that has a lot of scale and has a lot of you know loyal fans, but then have your own kind of brand twist on it, right? And then from there, you start to understand some of those contours of just how much things like mobile gaming have really impacted our overall media habits. Because, you know, again, if we were to have a broader conversation in terms of like, you know, what I believe to be like the big factors that are kind of shaping gaming for today and tomorrow or whatnot, one of the major ones is, Things like mobile and then general mobility in gaming, allowing us to just kind of weave it into our everyday lives, which is really important in the modern media landscape where our research has shown that indeed how younger generations consume media is not at prime time. It's kind of throughout the day. So the entertainment experiences that can be present throughout the day are the ones that are going to win. And then therefore, those are the marketing opportunities that will win. So then mobile still has a key role in the future of gaming. It certainly does. And then I think what will get super interesting is that what we think about as mobile gaming is going to get super complicated, right? But like in a good way. So as it stands now, there are, you know, games that are apps and that'll continue forever, right? And there'll be, certainly be games that'll be designed that are, you know, have the types of mechanics and what have you that are really designed for basically anyone, whether you're someone who, you know, is an expert with a controller or what have you, you know, you'll be able to play a game of Candy Crush or something like that, right? But then as technologies like cloud and then internet connectivity through 5G or just better improvements in terms of our overall infrastructure at home improve, then we'll start to be able to be, be in that world where you can ostensibly play any game on your phone or realistically any game on any screen in your house. Like that is the kind of end game promise that some of these technologies lead to. So again, they're too super interesting that 
you'll have the this huge potential library of experiences that are available virtually everywhere and also in a way that by merit of again technologies that game companies and and, and what have you are increasingly putting in their games can kind of be dipped into and out throughout the day so what that means then is that you just have gaming as something that can be consumed anywhere anytime in the way you want and that to me speaks to a very pervasive media experience that as it stands now, like mobile games are kind of on the forefront of it. And again, games of that type will always have a place, even in a world of, of cloud or what have you. But that's where things start to get real interesting in terms of like the full, quote unquote, call it power of these portfolios really being across these multitude of experiences. So you, you talk about being able to play throughout the day and in different platforms and really having it be this ubiquitous experience. And when you talk about entertainment consumption, and the behaviors of that, how does that apply across generations? I know you spoke a little bit about that at the, the gaming breakfast, but why do you see these different experiences and, and how are people experiencing it at different parts of their lives? Yeah, I mean, I think when, when I've talked about some of the contours we see in terms of gaming as, as again, as an ecosystem, as an industry on the rise, what you're looking at is nothing short of just a fundamental shift in again, entertainment consumption more generally. So, you know, in the, at the conference, you know, I talked a bit about like, if you look at the media consumption habits of folks who are say 55 plus, you see something that very much kind of conforms to how we think media has been consumed, or rather I should say how the advertising world has thought that media has been consumed for years, like linear TV on top, spike at prime time, everything else kind of below that, right? So that's more or less painted, everything about media buying for decades, right? And then you look at folks who are a little bit younger than that. So now we're looking at that 35 to 54 bucket. So this is the older millennials and, and what have you. And what we find there is like, you still see a little bit of that prime time, but like a lot of those curves kind of flatten out and linear TV kind of drops out, but streaming comes up. And then gaming and social are starting to climb in terms of prevalence. And then finally, when you look at the youngest cohort, like that prime time bump all but disappears. And what you see is just like this kind of large throughout the day hump of various types of media, largely led by streaming, gaming, and social as the top activities at any given time that are kind of happening in equal part throughout the day. So it's really that shift from, you know, again, we've talked about various behavioral patterns in this for years, right? Appointment-based viewing versus not, you know, primetime versus not, linear versus not, the role of like, you know, way back when it was just TiVo, right? For folks that are old enough to remember that, to the more media modern landscape where, again, it's now something that is being set on the terms of the consumer. So I think this is inherently a good shift that's very pro-consumer, but then also shows some fundamental difference in terms of how, again, potentially young consumers like to consume media. It's more throughout the day. It's likely more sporadic. It could be in smaller or larger bits, but we do find that gaming does tend to have the largest incidence of time per session, which again, I think is meaningful for advertisers, but something that, you know, again, is kind of equally prevalent throughout the day and that certain technologies like gaming are kind of at that top of the heap in terms of competing for attention. Interesting. Now, are you seeing differences in age groups and the platforms that they're utilizing is, you know, between mobile and console and PC, for example? I mean, yes or no, but I think it's, it's certainly, I think you see some, but much of it tends to be driven by the types of game experiences that are available there. Cause again, as noted, like if we're to have this conversation again in maybe as few as three or four years, but more realistically five, right? 
like we might be looking at a world where consoles and specific gaming PCs or whatnot are kind of becoming irrelevant, right? Like that, you know, again, in theory, you can play the same like hyper-realistic complex 3D type environments that, you know, I can with my souped up gaming PC, you know, on your television because you can then, you know, or stream it via some cloud technology or another, right? So, I mean, I think what we'll find then is that, you know, certain types of games and game experiences and IP appeal to different demographics. It isn't quite as cut and dry as like mobile versus consoles PC. It's more driven by that. And again, what we do also find is that, you know, when you think about your quote unquote, like hardcore gaming fans, right? Like the folks that are those young men that play a ton of games and it's that's like the exact individual that marketers conjure when they think about the gaming, you know, population in general, which we actually showed in previous research is actually kind of a minority of the overall gaming population. They play a lot of mobile games. Um, like they're just folks that like to consume mobile. So, you know, again, I think it's it's important to kind of understand where there are some of these differenti differentiations by console type or excuse me, by access type as it exists now. But also important to understand, on the other hand, that like that distinction should start to go away. And then it's more just a question of what's the type of content, the type of game they're consuming is meaningful for certain groups rather than others. Interesting. Okay. So all of this experience, you know, obviously your your um, your PhD, your experience with technology and in the gaming industry, it it's all that insight and experience is perfect for a book. What inspired you to write this and and tell us more about it, please? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, the, what I joke about is that there's two jokes that I say about why it came to be that are both actually more true than not. So the first is it's my COVID project because I never really learned how to bake and I'm not that good at it, um, which is largely true on both those ends. But then also pre-COVID, right? when we'd be going out in my official capacity and going on various panels or talking to folks and talking about gaming or what have you, it really seemed like the conversations we were happening were more or less the same one, just kind of over and over and over, right? So the same general, um, at the, certainly at the time, misconceptions about who the gaming audience is, you know, how does one integrate, what's the difference between a game and an esport, and so on and so forth. Like, you know, what is, I think, easy to dismiss as like fairly, quote unquote, basic stuff, but realistically understandable, given that, you know, again, gaming as a pastime is something that is coming up as a generational effect. And also gaming as an industry kind of has a reputation for being a little secretive by merit of being kind of an offshoot of like Hollywood and what have you. So long and short, not a lot of opportunity space, particularly from a business standpoint, to kind of get your hands around it. So and recognizing that, you know, it was kind of like, all right, so we're having these same conversations, but found that there really wasn't a ton of resources for brands or even just businesses more generally to learn about, right? So a few folks have written game or written very good books about, you know, the business of gaming more generally and like, great, that's a good start. And they're super interesting. And they are things that I referenced throughout the book. But that fundamental question in terms of What's the opportunity for business decision makers, marketers? How can they integrate? How should they be thinking about it? Not much existed in, in that. So realistically, what I wanted to do is try to provide like that kind of foundational level of knowledge, just so that, you know, again, let's let's have that level set that like, this is the why, this is the how, this is broadly the opportunity space. Of course, there's not enough, you know, words or pages to get into every tactical opportunity, more trying to paint an overall strategic framework. 
such that we can start to move these conversations forward into how do we do them well? And then how do we really start to look at opportunities that are really interesting for a broader swath of brands? That's great. Well, well, in that vein, then what advice would you give to brands and marketers who are interested in getting into the space and seeing the potential of this? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, first and foremost, it's kind of like starting to wrap your head around that, you know, gaming is important and gaming is a meaningful pastime that means a lot to a lot of consumers, right? So again, the stockbrokers of today are folks that are probably gaming in greater proportion than the stockbrokers 20 or 30 years ago. Like long and short, you're looking at a world where it's not just your cutting edge, youngest TikTok oriented consumer that's like a quote unquote gamer. It's kind of your entire consumer base just in different ways and in different platforms and what have you. So kind of getting over that first step that this is major mainstream blockbuster level entertainment that needs a serious look from your from your brand or your business is step one. And then step two is starting to get familiar with where it is that your brand or the consumers that your brand is going after kind of fit into this overall ecosystem. So of course, obviously there is a place that I would point at something like my book, but obviously there's also organizations that you can work with, whether they're game publishers or you know the, the companies that are putting ads in games or what have you, that can start to work with you in terms of what's a strategy that makes sense. But I think the big thing to really hit on is having a strategy and not just quote unquote, a gaming strategy, right? Like a strategy that really looks at interactive entertainment in a serious way that kind of starts from, you know, I think a baseline where you can start to get learnings, whether that's just putting, you know, quote unquote, just putting, you know, video ads and mobile games to more customized bespoke activations. And I think starting to chart out what that learning plan is, is going to be super important because fundamentally how we should be marketing and speaking to consumers that are in an interactive, immersive environment is different from the more passive ones. And like, even just getting over that potential knowledge gap or experience gap is going to be super important, again, both for the opportunities for today, but then also tomorrow, whether it be metaverse or otherwise. I think that'll definitely help our members who are trying to get their brand clients interested in that, but I think also for clients that might be reluctant or dismissive of that potential. Indeed. And, and I mean, like, you know, that I think the, there's an old truism in technology companies that I think is always relevant with this is that data wins arguments, right? And like, one need not look far than to see the data in terms of the number of individuals that are playing games, the size of the industry, the growth of the industry, the pervasiveness of it, what that technological landscape is looking like as it pertains to overall access. Like, you know, again, it doesn't take a very big kind of leap to understand that, like, Sure, even if you were in the camp that thinks of these solely as a frivolity, right, and not as serious art or serious entertainment or what have you, even from that vantage point, well, then that's just a lot of people who are engaging this frivolity that nonetheless demands your attention. That makes sense. Jonathan, thank you for your great perspective and for sharing your knowledge with us. And uh, we certainly hope to hear more from Activision Blizzard, and we look forward to referring everyone to your book. Thank you so much for making the time. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for joining us. You can find out more about our upcoming events, initiatives, and the value of membership at thinkla.org.